This is the When Life Happens podcast, the real podcast all about helping real people overcome real life issues successfully. And since life never stops, let's get after it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the When Life Happens podcast. I'm your host, William Jackson, and I'm super excited because we get another opportunity to live, learn, and grow together. Recently, we've been diving into the interview that I had on the Necessary Entrepreneur podcast. And if you're interested in building a business, establishing anything of value, I challenge you to go follow them, search them out on all media platforms. So many great tools, nuggets, and gems of information that are set you up for success. But we've been diving into some of my story and how I got to where I am and how to position yourself for success in a greater way to position you to step fully into your purpose, your destiny, your dreams, and your goals, to not waste your effort, to make sure that you are strategically aligning yourself with your dreams and everything that you desire to have and to see happen in this life. I believe that you can have anything you are willing to work for. So let's go deeper and dive into the next section of the interview. an overnight success man yeah and i you know it's funny is because they say you know oh oh, oh what's gonna happen you know they, they say that you're overnight success i'm gonna say you're right because i suffered over many nights <laughs> i planned over many nights i am an overnight success because i heard something that um uh eric thomas um said today uh, i think it was yesterday he's kind of inspirational yeah and he said one of the things he said you got to learn how to win in the dark before you could ever win in the light so it's being in that space of knowing that, okay, I know that it, it, it may not happen the way that I desire for it to happen, but if I'm putting the work in in the dark, I can trust what I'm going to do in the light. How many times do you think, you know, I know a story about sleeping yeah. on a park bench and get kicked out and then go back, all that stuff. How many times do you think a guy like that had to get in front of people, practice his speaking, get up on a stage, show up with three people in the room? How many times do you think – before he had his hit where he said, you got to want to win as much as you want to breathe. Yeah. Where he tells the story about the old man saying, hey, you, oh, you want to succeed? Like, hey, meet me down at the ocean in the morning. Yeah. He's like, what are you talking about? I mean, he's like, if you want to, meet me at the ocean. Yeah. And he brings the kid out. I'm assuming he's a kid, right? He pulls him out in the ocean, pulls him out in the ocean. And the guy's holding him underwater trying to drown him. Mm-hmm. And the guy's pissed, and he comes up, and he's like, what are you trying to do? Yeah. He's like, you got to want to wanna succeed as much as you want to breathe. Yeah. Because like, that thing for him, mm-hmm. once he hit on that thing, the stages were opened up. How many? I wonder. That would be a good question for him. You know, I, I would beg to, to say that he probably said that same thing thousands of times. Mm-hmm. It was just the right moment and the right time and the right person who heard it. He might have the right energy. Absolutely. Might have had the right connection. It could be because, and that's what people get, like, they get discounted in, is because he had his why. It didn't matter. Because when you see people who are operating in, in on their highest level of potential, right, when you see a Tony Robbins, when you see uh, Eric Thomas, when you see a Les Brown, when you see, you know, Ed Milet, when you see all of these guys who are operating in that, they they didn't develop that on that big stage. They developed in a small room. Like a comedian, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's you you look at the the these years years of being booed, <laughs> of being talked about, of being discredited. I see all of these people who are thriving. I see <clears throat> the Kevin Hart's where he he spent all of his time developing this talent, and as soon as he gets his big break, the people who he was once in connection with they flip on him. How many times you think he made fun was made fun about being like five two? Oh, his whole life. It's whole life. But he got to the point that he was able to say, I'm going to use this to my advantage. And most people don't get there as I'm going to use my situation to my advantage. I'm going to use what I've been through to my advantage. Because literally, I went through this evolution of understanding pain in a different way. Right. We look at painful situations and we say, you know, oh, um, when people tell stories of like, for instance, you know, I had a stroke and I was paralyzed. They tell it from more so of a, from a defeated mindset, right? And it's, oh, this time was so tough. It was so hard. And, and I thought that my life was over and I felt like, you know, nothing good was going to come out of it. What do you want, attention? <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's getting to the place of, of understanding that the pain and the struggle and all of the things that you go through are developing the necessary tools for you to sustain the success, the success that you desire to achieve. We see it from a different aspect of when I go to the gym and I got a trainer and I'm tearing my body down and I'm leaving out sore. I don't come out and I'm like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. Well, sometimes I might, but I go back because I, I have an end goal and I know that this pain means that there's growth. I know that this pain means that I'm getting stronger. I know when I'm tearing these muscle downs and I can't lift my arms at the end of a workout, that means I had a great workout. If we had that same mindset to life, okay, this didn't work, but what did I learn? What are my takeaways? I don't waste anything. Any loss is only a loss if I don't extract anything from it. I feel like that your successes are actually not as prolific as as your losses because it's a, a success can be very singular focused right if you want a car and i buy you a bentley you're excited right you have a bentley you enjoy it you ask for it you got it but if you had to walk 10 blocks catch three buses two trains to get to work every day and you did it consistently without fail, knowing that, man, if I just had a car, if I just had a car, this would be so much easier. But you did it. You did it. And you did it. And you did it. And then you get a Bentley. You have a different level of appreciation. Because now you have a point of reference. I know what it's like to walk. So now I'm going to take care of my car. Now I'm going to be intentional. Now I'm going to protect what I have because I know what I went through. I know what it costs to get here. And most people, if you ask for it and you give it, you don't have appreciation for it. You see those people that don't change their oil? Run your car into the ground. Because, ah, it's just a car. My parents will give me another one. I'll get another one. Ah, it's okay. It's just a car. But to someone who walked 10 blocks, three buses, and two trains, oh, this is something completely different. You trying to tell me I got to walk through school to school <laughs> in the snow, seven miles? Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, I I'm not saying. I thought that shit was over three <laughs> generations ago, William. I'm not saying that you have to, but I'm saying that. You're right, man. If I, if I did do that, I have a different appreciation for it. But 
a lot of people look at their 10 blocks and their three three buses and two trains and it's a pity story and it's oh man i can't believe i had to go through that and it's going back and looking at okay what is what did that develop in me okay me walking 10 blocks every day i got my cardio in look how strong my legs are right like how aware am i surroundings i have to be how punctual i have to be in order to be to this place to catch this bus at this time to make sure i don't miss this bus because i need to catch this bus to that bus everything works together but we look at pain and difficult situations as woe is me so how do we take what do we do with these people in the world that we look up to so much like we can take for an example a steve harvey yeah we can hear the guy talking about homeless living in his car. Mm-hmm. We can take a J.K. JK Rowling who had how many studios and how many people turned down her book, and she just kept asking. Oh, yeah. We can take the the light bulb, and it was trying the incandescent light bulb, and had 10,000 attempts before it was figured out. Mm-hmm. We can take um, – who's the producer in Atlanta? The God's Tyler Perry. Right. So him – and I saw a picture that he put out this week about he was sitting in a little Geo Metro. Yep. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. With the convertible, and he's like, hey, this brings me back to think about when I was homeless living in my car. Yeah. It seems so far away. Yeah. And they've done this within a lifetime. Mm-hmm. How can the average among us, me, you, how can we mentally even process that, that that's possible? Because you want to be around positive people and not negative people. Yeah. How do we get there? Because my take is, man, if you're thinking that big, mm-hmm. I don't know if all those people were daily just trying to work towards that big of a goal. I bet most of them didn't know they were going to get there. Yeah. So how do how do we work that process? That's just 20 or 30 years they've done this. Yeah, in. absolutely. They're breathing the same air. Mm-hmm. They have the same 24 hours in their day. Yep. They had negative people around them. They probably had negative experiences growing up. Absolutely. Why the hell are me and you still sitting here and they're doing that shit? Well, I think the difference is everything happens in the timing. This is going back to my faith. Everything happens to the timing that's supposed to happen for me, right? And if I keep comparison is the, is the thief and the destroyer of confidence. So if I keep looking at your process, see, when I look at people like that, all it tells me is that it's possible. Right on. Yeah. Yep. Like they ran a race and they won. Absolutely. So we need to use that as fuel. Like, okay, that's possible. Yes. Right? Yes. So looking at them to say, okay, they did it, so I can. But most people look at it and say, oh, they're there, and I'm here. And we are too far from uh, being connected or being the same. And it's not ever me trying to be the same as anybody. It's me being able to run my race effectively. The difference in, in what I did and what they did maybe it was – their dream and and their process and their goal and just their ability to not give up on them. You got to be the one who who is deciding not to give up on you, that no matter what, I got all chips in. Every day. Every day. All money in. I'm betting on it every single day. And you get to that place to where I I can't sleep. If I haven't worked on it or if I haven't pushed towards it or if I when you get to that place where you want it bad enough as you want to breathe, you start seeing changes. And people say, well, I can't because I work a nine to five and I got kids and I got if you want it bad enough. Are you willing to get up at four o'clock in the morning and do the work? Because 
at you know, I totally agree to that to the aspect of I can't want it for you. You got to want it for yourself. You got to get to the place to where you say, you know what? I'm willing to do whatever it takes. No matter what. No matter what. No matter how many no's, no matter what people say, no matter how many times I get to the place where I keep hitting that wall, I got to believe that it's something on the other side of this wall. If I hit this wall and I don't think there's nothing back there, I'll turn around. But when I get to that place where I say, there is something on the other side of this wall and I'm going to get to it by hella high water. I don't care if I got to get a sledgehammer. I don't care if I got to get a shovel. If I got to get a grappling hook. If I got to walk 10 miles around the side of this, I'm going to get around this wall. Therefore, reading the right books, watching the right videos on Absolutely. YouTube. Surround yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. Right? It's um because I think if we make it feel too big, yeah, man, it's tough to even get started. Mm-hmm. And what I found in my life was, man, just get up and take some action today. Yeah. Like, just get up today and do something that looks like the thing you want to be doing. Absolutely. Right? And that whole 1%, just get 1% better every day. Yeah. That seems so small. Mm-hmm. But I'm all in on it. Yeah. Absolutely. Because if things compound like they do, mm-hmm. and if you come, people are like, well, man, in 30 days, I'm going to get 1% better. And no, 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 no. You're not going to be 30% better. Yeah. Compound that. If I'm 100% of who I am and tomorrow I'm 101, mm-hmm. the next day I'm 101 times the Point one, so I'm 102 point something. You're yeah. going to get to 30 days. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be like 250% better. Come on. Right? And all that is focused on, man, let me just do my thing today. It's a snowball effect. I just got to push it down the hill. The snowball is going to do the work. Did you build a good snowman back in the day? I did. I built a, I built a really good one. There's a picture that uh, we were young, and it was it was three-tiered. It was a big old head. It was, it, yeah, yeah. We, I thought we did, you grew up poor like me. Yeah, we did. You but everybody nose, got snow. You didn't snow. have any carrots. Huh? What would you use for the nose? Because you didn't have any carrots. No, no, no. We didn't have carrots. Okay. I'm yeah, sure. sure. It was just like little <laughs> circles that we drew. <laughs> um, so so there is, um, did somebody did somebody special and famous write the foreword of the book? Yeah, so um, a mentor and friend of mine, Les Brown, wrote the foreword. And, um, you know, ironically, you know, that's the, that's the, the, the importance of exposure. You know, I got into a room that wasn't even my meeting and, um, I got into the room and just being in the right room, he looked and said, what, what, what do you, what do you, what you do? Tell me a little bit about you. We started talking and, you know, he found out I had a book and he was like, you know, let's, and he started just pouring and it started just flowing and we just had this natural connection and relationship and then you know come to find out you know we just started growing and developing and I was doing the book and he was saying you know what let you send it to me I won't do you forward and I was like absolutely this is the legend you know so um yeah what is it uh shoot for the moon because if you miss you'll land on the stars right yeah you know and it's latest you got to be hungry you gotta be hungry. Man, he's been standing on stage for a long time. Oh yeah, I played that in sales meetings. Yeah, and then when he says it, it's like that dude needs two Big Macs on stage right now because he's hungry. Yes, I mean when he says it. Yes, that intensity. Yeah, you gotta be hungry, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I kind of interrupted the story, but you found yourself in a room. Yeah. Was that a virtual room? Was it a physical room? Physical room. Yeah. So where I was at a meeting for, um, there was a uh, being a pitch for a television show. So um, I'm heavy in the arts, right? So I, um, I'm i a musician, I'm an actor, you know, singer-songwriter, so I do a lot of things. Um, funny story, I digress for a moment, um, and I sort of approach this with life, is 
two pivotal moments that shaped how I approached everything. One is I went and saw this um, jazz musician and I sat down with him afterwards and I was just telling him how great his set was. And he said, you know, so are you a musician? I said, yeah. He said, what do you play? At the time, I would play sax. I said, well, I play saxophone. He said, well, you're a saxophonist. Um, I said, what do you mean? He said, when you're a musician, you can sit down at multiple instruments and make music. And it shifted something in me. And it was like, all right, I got to do more. Because if I want to be in the rooms, I got to be able to sit down and make music. I got to be able to step in and accomplish what I need to accomplish by any means necessary. So then that, and then I sat down with this, um, I used to do this thing, because I'm, I'm a glutton for wisdom, right? So I would reach out to um, um, the wealthiest in the city. Hey, can I just take you to lunch? I want to take you to lunch. And surprisingly, so many people would be like, yeah, absolutely. Because they want to give the knowledge away, but people don't ask. And I sat down with this billionaire one time. And he told me, he said, moguls don't think either or. They think both and. And literally something shifted in me. It was like, okay, I don't have to be this or that. I can be both of these and then some. And when you have that freedom to know that I can be everything that I'm supposed to be from a totality perspective, it shifts everything in your life. Because so many people try to say that you only can be this or you only can be that. But then when you're giving all of yourself to this, there's a part of you that's still craving. And then you have that, that place where you aren't tapping into uh, uh, fulfillment. You're just you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But there's a piece of you that's still crying out. So uh, back to the story. So I'm in a room and, uh, um, you know, there was I actually tried to um, talk myself out of the room. It's not my meeting. Nah, I'm, that's. This this it has nothing to do with me. It was like, no, you need to be in the room. I said, nah, I, I don't know. But I started to say, okay, cool. If I'm supposed to be in the room, I'm being in the room. And I just came and sat down. I was just going to sit down at the table and just be a fly on the wall. And being in the right atmosphere, things happen. Because if I would have talked myself cause like, and consistently said, no, I'm not coming, I would have missed an opportunity. And so many people miss opportunities because we keep talking ourselves out of it like I for years I had a habitual um a habitual now we're calling them imposter syndromes you were an imposter before you even had to have the imposter syndrome you're yeah. like I don't belong there man like I'm I was self-sabotaging yeah yeah I was I was a habitual self-sabotager and I was always basing my ability to thrive in the next space based on who you are now. Based on my current space. And so where I am doesn't look like where I want to be. So maybe that's not it. Maybe. Mm, I don't know. And the more I said it, the more I believed it. And I would talk myself out of it. So I had to start changing my words. And I had to literally start saying things that that didn't even align with any uh, anything of my current reality. But there was someone that convinced you to go to the room. You don't yes. have to say who it was, but there's see that's this network mm-hmm. about the people around you, man. Absolutely, whoever it was could have been somebody that wanted to be your agent. Could have been someone that just said, "Yeah, man, saw something in you." Yeah, right. Absolutely. So you're there. Yeah, and I'm sitting at the table, and um, he literally hijacks the entire meeting, and just was talking to me and just pouring into me, the entire meeting. He never even talked about what he came there and talk about. He spent the entire meeting about two hours. At, it's a table full of people. I was going to say, how many people? Eight or ten? Yeah, it's about it's about ten people at the table. In a round table? It was actually, it was a long um, rectangular oh, table. Okay. 
And he literally spent the whole time, whole time talking to me. I was just like, you just this and that and affirming all of these things and just speaking into me and pouring into me. And he saw something. Yeah. He saw something because here's what he saw. He made an evaluation. See, I think when you're around people like that. Yeah. He has an intuition that he's formed over the years. Yeah. He can form a conclusion in a moment. Absolutely. And he's not wrong often, I guarantee it. Absolutely. And so whatever it was, how you walked into the room, how you sat down, he might have heard you say your name to someone else. It could have been the confidence in the voice. Yeah. Something about that said, everyone can learn something from my one-on-one with this guy. Yeah. Because I'm go- I am don't want to insult everybody, but I'm going to waste a lot of time yeah. hanging out with everybody else. Yeah. And he made that. Split second. In a split second. Yep. You feel the same thing? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But if I had never decided yeah. to say yes to the room because I saw my current situation, I would have I would have missed the opportunity of a lifetime. So he wrote the forward in your book. Yep. How many forwards do you think he's written of books? Um Do you have to pay for it? <laughs> I didn't have to pay for okay, it. Okay, no. good. All right. Yeah, so no, he did it um just off of pure love or relationship. Um but he doesn't do it often. He doesn't do it often. He's very particular about what he puts his stamp on because he realizes that his name and his legacy means everything, you know. So um, he's very strategic about it. And, um, you know, he definitely is is intentional about what he gives his time and energy to. So what I found about those billionaires mm-hmm. is they have an expectation that this thing they're giving you, yeah, it doesn't come free. Mm-hmm. One of them told me that one time. Yeah, they're like, "You're not getting out of this free." Yeah, and I snap, snap back on him, and I'm like, "What?" He said, "No, there's obligation." Yeah. So I bet there's a sense of obligation. Oh yeah. That he puts on your shoulders. Yeah. That he's like, "All right, man, what are you gonna do with this?" Mm-hmm. I give you my time. All right. I wrote a forward for your book. Yep. What are you gonna do? Does he t- does he talk to you that way? Yeah. So he's one of those. Every time I, I talk to Les, he 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 always challenges you to look towards the future. Where are you? What are you doing? Could you be doing more? Why aren't you this? And he always tells me he tells me all the time when I talk to him. He said, "Man, that title, just that title alone, that should be a number one New York Times bestseller." I'm like, I know Les. I'm working towards. He's like, you just don't give up on it. You got to keep going. You got to keep pushing. Like, it's not going to be easy, you know, because people aren't giving. Like, I'm self-published. Like, I, I had to figure it all out. I didn't even start out trying to write a book. Yeah, what happened? So, um, I am a lover of language. And one of the things that I, I found therapeutic was just writing or journaling. But when I'm super overwhelmed or I got too much going on, it's hard for me to get it out. So one day I just started writing, um, stuff started flowing, just ideas and thoughts. But, you know, my right brain then says, okay, but I need a format. Like, I can't just, just free write. Like, I kind of need some structure to it, right? So I'm writing, okay, well, this thought goes with this thought, this thought goes with this thought. And then the more I kept going um, and the more it just kept flowing, I looked up one day and it was like, this is kind of looking like a book. This is... This is a lot. 
I'm like, this is this isn't just your normal journal entries. This is like some real meaty, you know, type of situation. And um, you know, how things sort of come to me is sort of in a different aspect because I'm a lover of language, right? Like I love Shakespeare. Like I used to go see um uh, there's this, this a spot called the Shakespeare Tavern and I would go watch them do plays and you know, it's I, I love language. Um, I've always been a, a, a person who enjoys how people communicate. So I develop things a different way. You know, like I don't just write, you know, just freehand. Like most people write books how they talk. You know, I write from a standpoint of how I want it to sound. And that's just with anything. So I came up, you know, and I looked up one day and it was just like, man, this is like a, a whole book or something. And I was like, okay, cool. But it, it took me like over a year to write it because I never, I wasn't intentional on writing a book. It was just when stuff came to me, I would go back to it. And then it compiled and compiled and compiled. And then next thing you know, I had a manuscript and it was like, wow, this is an actual book. What do I do with it? <laughs> so I had to figure it out. I had to figure out like how to get your cover made, how to get, you know, everything, you know, copywritten, how to, you know, get your ISBN number, you know, how to get it published, how to get, your, you know, the copies made and, you know, the, the print and distribution and, you know, print on demand and had to figure it all out, you know, and it was just one of those things that just sort of evolved. But that's the aspect of when I say the painful situations of learning the lessons, right? Like if I just wrote a book and then I said, hey, I got a book and somebody said, cool, we'll publish it. I wouldn't have learned all of that stuff of how to do it, when to do it. And, and I like to be able to go into anything that I'm doing, whether it's business, whether it's, you know, um, uh, music, whether it's arts, whether it's acting, whether it's writing, whether it's developing anything, I like to be able to go in and know what I'm doing in all aspects because then I can sort of have an idea, even if I'm not doing it, I want to know how you do what you do so that I'm never caught off guard by anything. So you're still a guy who takes action, too. You know that's a rare combination, right? Yeah. Because a lot of times when I meet people like you, sometimes work for the company that I operate, I'm trying to help them grow. Yeah. They're either a studier and learner, mm -hmm. and they never get started because there's something inside of them that never feels like they're ready to go. Yeah. That's so frustrating to me. Yeah. Or there's someone who doesn't put the time in, to study yeah. and they just go out flailing mm -hmm. if they keep going that person will go further than the one that never gets started absolutely but you're combining so your left and right brain stuff again. yeah <laughs> okay. but i mean i feel like all, all that is is born within the confines of my trauma or my 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 history or my situations you know knowing that it's it's such a benefit of both like when when you realize how fleeting moments are you get to the place where you want to maximize them to the highest level and me maximizing it, it is one being prepared for it and two going after it so it doesn't matter if i'm prepared it doesn't matter if i've you know put the work in behind the scenes if i never step out on the stage but each one go hand in hand because i can't squander the stage because i haven't been prepared or preparing in the dark and I can also be so prepared in the dark that I let my fear prevent me from stepping out on stage. So how do we find courage in the face of fear? Because so, guys like me and you, yeah, we still feel fear at times. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. So how can we help people to translate this idea of finding courage? Yeah. So I feel like that fear gets a a misnomer or it gets mislabeled or misrepresented. I feel like fear can be healthy in a lot of areas, right? When you have a healthy dose of fear of missing or losing something that's valuable to you, you treat it different, right? When you have a, a healthy dose of fear, you don't get complacency and you don't give a lackluster effort. When you're super overly confident and there's not anything in the back of your mind to say, okay, if I'm not really, really, really ready, this could go wrong, then you get out there and you just you try to, you know, Kevin Durant said, you know, hard work beats talent because talent doesn't work hard, you know? So getting to that space of, of knowing that you can be as talented in the world, but if I don't put the work in and if I'm not ready for it, like that fear is always going to be there. So if I shift my perspective on it first to say, okay, the, if, if I stop allowing it to cripple me because it's a choice. And that's the thing that people don't understand is that you, the way that you control your thoughts on it is by how you speak about it. Right. So that goes back to it. So if I if I'm afraid and you hear people like even you go down to 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 children, you know, you think it's a boogeyman under the bed, you know, and you go into the room, you check it says nothing under the bed. You know, yes, it is. No, it's not. It's nothing under the bed. And then you, if you get a kid and they, they hear noise and there's nothing under my bed, it's nothing under my bed, it's nothing under my bed, because they're talking themselves, they're psyching themselves up. Right. It's always going to be a fear there. But you have to know. That first, I whatever my fear is, I have to be able to face it and replace it. I can't do anything if I'm running from fear. I got to run towards fear. Every soldier who goes into battle, there's high propensity that there's a fear there. But I'm running into it. Because one, either I have a why that supersedes the fear. But even if I don't, I got to get to the place where I know that whatever I'm afraid of, if I just run completely into it, the propensity is I'm going to come out successful on the other side. But they say defense wins championships. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the When Life Happens podcast. I hope that you found this episode both impactful and inspiring. Before you go, like and share the show, subscribe to it, leave us a comment, rate us and review us on all podcast platforms. Your engagement helps us reach more people and create a better show. But the fun doesn't have to stop here. If you're interested in more resources and tools of how to live a fulfilled life and step fully into your purpose or purchase your copy of the life-changing book, When Life Happens, head over to www.theofficialwilliamjackson.com for more information. Until next time, keep rising, keep thriving, and remember that no matter what life throws your way, you have everything inside of you you need to overcome and succeed when life happens.